Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfume oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters went, sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when, we, when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there no 12 hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, what they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. But Thomas, called Dermus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she sent to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know what whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I had come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they follow her, presuming that she was going to be to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dance man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a, a trench. He was being dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I have said this, and they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hands and foot with burial hands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what had done, what he had done, began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, some of you might be wondering, like, hey, those aren't our readings. Those aren't what we expected. That's, that's not what I read last night. 
I'm kidding, I realize that not everybody necessarily starts their preparation for Sunday on Sunday evening, but I would encourage you to, just while we're there, is to always begin the Lord's Day, even Saturday night, by reading the readings so that it's not the first time we've heard the word. And so that when the deacon proclaims it, like maybe something different stands out to us. Maybe, I mean, I was hearing a bunch of different things. I was like, no, Father David, like don't give like 20 homilies. No, 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 no. Um, but there's so much beauty in the scriptures, even that long read, so many things that the church has contemplated and, and, and meditated upon. Today, like normally, uh, the fifth Sunday of, of Lent, in your C, we would have heard, right, if you, read, if you read the scriptures last night, like you would have heard the woman caught in adultery. And scholars and theologians, even that one, that one that the church puts like right before Palm Sunday, that one too has great like meaning. Many have pondered it, trying to go like, okay, well, what was he writing? What was he writing in the sand? Some had said, like, he was writing, like, the sins of the scribes and Pharisees. Some have said he was just writing, like, all the sins of the world so that each could find their own particular sin. Some say he was writing, like, psalms and, and pieces of scripture that speak of God's mercy and how a humble and contrite heart he will not spurn. Um, many are just, hypo they're hypotheses. Some are surely correct, but we don't, we don't know, actually. God didn't decide to reveal that to us. One of the ones that like, I find to be my favorite, in addition to the Psalms and the, the, the pieces of sacred scripture, God's word, speaking of mercy, is just that he's down there kind of wasting time. He's trying to just be down to her level just to get her attention. He's drawn in the sand. He just wants to connect with her. He just wants her, God, who's come down, wants to make eyes with the one he loves the sinner in need of a savior. He just wants her to connect, to see the love in his eyes, to see that he loves her, even in her sin, and wants to bring her out of it. He wants her to recognize, he wants her to recognize her savior in him. And that if she'll just repent, surrender, and give everything to him, she'll be okay. Now, it seems like that happens because he sees within her like there's some sort of repentance, and that's why he says like, Everybody's left, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Now this in and of itself, again, could be a, a big homily in that like God calls us out in our sinfulness, calls us out of our sinfulness, and then to strive to sin no more. He wants to redeem us fully as now our psalm that we had specifically for this Mass, where we're having a scrutiny, where we're coming, and again, the church is calling us in your A, um, to scrutinize ourselves, but particularly, yes, the elect, those who are among us, those who are being called to baptism, that God wants to fully redeem so their past, the shackles of the enemy have no hold on them ever again. God wants to redeem in those waters of baptism. And so the church calls him to look one last time, the third, the last of the scrutinies, to go, are you ready? Have you repented? Are you surrendered? Have you locked eyes with Christ and ready to turn away from sin and follow him forever? Are you ready to have the shackles broken off? That's why if you haven't noticed, maybe this one is the first time we've had a scrutiny at this particular mass. But if you've been to any of the other masses, we have what? Prayers for them? But yes, there is a prayer of exorcism at each of them. A minor exorcism to say, get rid like, Lord of the devil, get rid of the shackles. May they be broken free, beginning now and fully in the waters of baptism so they may be redeemed fully by you. The Lord who has come, who has lowered himself to our level to look at us in the eyes and say, I love you and I will do anything. I will suffer on that cross. 
I will do anything to redeem you and help you know my love and receive my love. It's with that that now we can come to the gospel that we heard today. That sort of love. The elect, like maybe for those who, again, haven't heard all the scrutinies because they've been rotating around at the different masses, but lest maybe we prepare ourselves already for next year, but again, the elect that are among us. I hope you noticed a trend. The third Sunday of Lent, we heard of the woman caught, or the, woman, the adulterous woman at the well, the future known as Saint Photina. She repented. She became a great saint in the early church. There, God revealed himself to be Lord over, to be victor over our past, over our past sins, our personal sins. Then on the fourth Sunday, we heard of the man born blind. Jesus is further revealing who he is, that he is showing himself, revealing himself to be Lord, to be victor over creation, the world itself. He is the God who said, when let there be light, there was light. When he speaks, it is. And this Sunday, on this fifth Sunday, we hear the raising of Lazarus, God now revealing that he is Lord, that he is victor over the devil, over original sin and its consequences, which were spurned on by the devil. He is conqueror over death. This is who Christ is, for he is God, not a mere prophet, not a mere rabbi, but God himself, Lord over all. And this is important for us to remember is because, brothers and sisters, whether you be the elect or you be the baptized, today we are called to remember that God fully redeemed us in the waters of baptism, that he desires that if we fall again after baptism, to fully redeem, to take away everything, break every shackle in the, in the sacrament of reconciliation so that we may be entirely his. Today he foreshadows the resurrection that can happen spiritually as St. Paul is talking to us that we are no longer in the flesh but in the spirit, one with God, communion with God in the Holy Spirit. And that it will one day be even more full in the resurrection of the body to come, body and soul, that happens through Christ our Lord. That is what we look forward to. That is the thing that the church wants in our mind to help us steer our actions as we go forward, both the elect and the future life they will live, but all of us. How will we live in the Easter season? Like Christians, or will we go back to our regular life? Will we change? Will we fully follow him? Will we lock eyes with him and make sure we never lose it? But yet, and to, to spurn us on further, the church gives us because we will encounter difficulties, she gives us also this reading to help us start pondering a great deep mystery. I want you to notice the love of Christ in our reading today that he has for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He's pointing us to that on the journey with him, as we lock eyes with him, as we go to the cross with him, there will be suffering. If you, if you missed it, one of the most important lines that we heard today was Christ heard that Lazarus, the one he loves, was ill. And so he stayed two days longer so that Lazarus would die. Jesus stayed. God did not act like how we would want him to act, as human beings would want him to act. He let Lazarus die. The one he loved, he let die. Why? to help us ponder, to see the glory of God the Father as is explicitly revealed in the scriptures, 
but so too that we as Christians, years later, when we decide to follow Christ, to follow after him, to go to the cross, which he's, this is the beautiful testimony. A lot of times we just think of Thomas as like doubting Thomas. Did you hear him? He's courageous Thomas here. He's like, let's go to death for Jesus. Let's go back to Judea. That's who we're also called to be, to be willing to go into whatever death that Christ calls us to, recognizing that if he calls us to the cross, he will be there for us. When he calls us to the cross, he will strengthen us. And that precisely when we have the cross, when we have sufferings, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. No, he precisely loves us. This is one of the great mysteries the saints will reveal to us and speak of. It wasn't that, again, like when we encounter suffering or even when a person dies, that that Christ didn't love them. No, precisely, God loved Lazarus. And he didn't save him from illness and death. Jesus loved Lazarus. God loved Lazarus. And it's a reminder to us, like that when, that we see it when he wept. We see that like a gun, God with a human heart that he now has feels, he's compassionate, he journeys with us. This time, from this, like this moment that we see in Christ's like earthly ministry, we begin to recognize that Christ is no ordinary man, that Christ is no ordinary lover, that again, he sees within all of us. He knows what is good for all of us. And that if he ever allows a suffering in our life, he knows he can redeem it. He knows it's the thing that can bring about our conversion, our surrender, and again, glorify God. And even as we heard at the very end, bring other people to him so he may save them. Brothers and sisters, so offering suffering, God uses as an instrument of conversion. Often it is the instrument like whereby like he weeps with us as we suffer, knowing that, again, if we'll die, if we'll die to sin, if we'll die with him in the midst of the sufferings that we have, we will rise to new life in him. Now, this is hard to grasp. In a world full of pleasures, instantaneous gratification, like, again, hard to understand. Some might go, like, how can a God let people suffer? A good God, how can he do that? Again, we have to remember, like, that suffering is all a cause of Adam and Eve's sin. It's a cause, like, that disordered the world. So, too, our personal sins disorder the world. They cause suffering within us, within others. But we also recognize that God is not one to force us to love. He allows us to have choices. So, too, he recognized that love, true love, must be tested. This is why he will allow trials to exist. He will allow testing even to exist. If we have a hard time understanding that, just think of, would it be a good parent if they saw their child like struggling with math and just came over and took the homework from them and did all the homework themselves? No, that's a bad parent. To take away the trial so that the child cannot become a victor and learn like to, to, to get to be a victor over math. I don't know how you do that, but anyway. But to do it themselves, to know how to do it, to be a conqueror, that's a good parent. God the Father, and as well, God the Son and the Holy Spirit desire us to be conquerors, to be in, like, in the spiritual life, victors with him. The ramifications that are allowed in the world, like the suffering, temptations, and even death are allowed. Why? So that through, with, and in him, by the help of his grace, we again may be conquerors over sin and death. And so, dear elect and dear family of the baptized, 
in this latter part of Lent, the reminder to us is in addition to repenting and believing the gospel, which were the words of Christ we heard on Ash Wednesday, the encouragement to us is if we're suffering, if we're in pain, God is there for you. God weeps with you. God weeps as well for, with, and in us. But let us remember that the remedy to pain and suffering might not necessarily be that he takes it away. The remedy is to invite Christ into it. The the remedy is for him to redeem it and transform it. Whether you are an elect who's wrestling with giving up a former way of life, whether you're a baptized person, maybe you're suffering from like a death of a loved one, maybe you're struggling with a habitual sin that you're praying, God, would let's take away, Lord. I want to be done with this. The reminder today is that God doesn't simply take away our sufferings. He doesn't take away the sufferings often of the ones he loves, especially those the ones he loves deeply. Oftentimes, for those he loves, and again, deeply, he precisely allows times of suffering so that when we invite him into it, he can precisely, through, with, and in the suffering, and then through, with, and in him, strengthen us and restore us to life. To you who suffer, whether it be, again, something hoisted upon you by someone else or the circumstances of life, or it be a suffering of your own doing by a habitual sin, or it be like a suffering that you took on as you took on a difficult Lenten observance, the message today in this latter part of Lent is to persevere, to persevere, knowing God loves you, Persevere knowing that suffering does come to an end. And know that while difficult, if you stay surrendered to him, locked eyes with him, following after him, God will be victorious in you. And God will give you new life in him. Let us believe this. Let us believe this as we journey now toward the cross. We journey towards Jerusalem to the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ that he endured for love of each one of us.